Well, it's Senda and Emily, your favorite co-hosts of She's a Super Geek. I guess we're the only co-hosts of She's a Super Geek. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so this mini cast is brought to you by all of our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash sasgeek who helped us reach our $150 a month milestone. Yay! It's really exciting, you guys, and I, I don't think that we can overstate how grateful we are for your support. It's amazing! <laughs> so this is our second milestone. Our first one covered all of our expenses, which is amazing in itself. So this is this is the first milestone, though, where we have to do sort of extra work. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this, this is the one that gets us beyond just uh, carrying on as right. usual. So this is a new monthly minicast. We'll be putting it out once a month on an off Tuesday, and we're going to answer... Your questions about the podcast, the world, and everything. So if you have a pressing question, you can uh, ping us on Twitter at SASGeekPodcast. Uh, and so we're so great for all of you who haven't pledged already, patreon.com slash SASGeek. So Senda, what's our question today? So our question today, I'm going to say that again because I did a weird mouth noise. Cut this out. <coughs> Okay, ready? So our- let's let's cough at the same time. <laughs> cough and sniff. Ready? Three, two, one. Coffee. <coughs> coffee. <laughs> Did you just three, two, one? Coffee. <laughs> oh goodness. <sighs> Life is good. I love being on this podcast with you and this mini cast. <laughs> I love it. My life is so much together. better since since meeting you. <sighs> But we're actually going to talk about that experience. We're going to talk about this now, right? Okay. (laughs) You're going to cut all of that, right? Yeah. Um, So our question tonight comes from Swallows of the South. And it is, what is the most transformative game each of you has played? So now, of course, there are multiple ways we can answer this because we've played and GM'd a lot of games. But I'm going to toss it at Emily first. Uh, Why don't we talk about, so what was the most transformative game that you actually played in? Well, I also did a weird mouth noise there, so. <laughs> the most transformative game, other than, of course, the first one, which is transformative in the fact that, hey, oh my gosh, there's this role-playing hobby. Of course, yes. <laughs> I played Dungeons & Dragons for so long. I started as a player under this fabulous GM, whose name shall not be... No, it was Senda. It was totally Senda. I think it was the first time you GM'd for me, actually. It was the first time I GM'd for you. And we were playing in D&D 4th edition. I feel like 5th edition had just come out. Or they had... I think they had released like the box set, but not the full set. Anyway, we were playing in 4th edition. And at some point, somebody said, Hey, let's go to Fate. And I was like, I've never heard of Fate. So we researched Fate and this character, which I had, of course, run past my my GM. This character was a very emotionally heavy character. Her name was Vesta. Vesta Andres. She had a gambling addiction. She had an estranged husband who she had stolen from to, like, feed this addiction. And she was this this bouncer at a carnival now where the the game was actually set and uh the other the other characters were also members of this carnival and it was just absolutely amazing i really got into the story 
of this character. I'd never played a character who was in a long-term romantic relationship. I'd never played one with any kind of addiction. Really anyone who that was sort of this complicated of a character. And we were playing with this group of people who a couple, they weren't necessarily power gamers, but they really just wanted to fight. They really wanted to move along. They wanted to level up. And then this particular player who also wanted to, um, boy, that sounds really creepy. Senda. He didn't really (laughs) want to watch, but he, he, he participated a lot through sort of enjoying what everybody else was enjoying. He, he didn't press the plot forward. So I was pretty much the plot driver. And yep. it was amazing. <laughs> and I, I didn't, I've never really gotten the spotlight like that. I And what's been nice in the Sass Geek podcast is that I have occasionally gotten that kind of spotlight, but in a shared spotlight experience. But that was the first time where the spotlight ever sort of shone so graciously on me. So thank you, Senda. That's where You're Black welcome. Husky comes from as well, that, which that has is been brought Black up multiple Husky. times. Black Husky was <laughs> we the might have brought that up. <laughs> code name of Vesta's husband because he ended up going into the criminal underground after she stole from him. It's all very complicated. It was very complicated. It was great. But it was amazing. Was drag- the emotional There was a payoff. dragon tortoise. Oh my there gosh. Was, uh, there was a it lot was of good dragon stuff. tortoise! Um, so I have to thank Jeff for sending me a copy of the Fate Core Book for my birthday because otherwise... We never would have switched that game mm. over. <laughs> and that was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was very freeing. Yes. So, Sunday, your your best transformative experience as a player? Good question, Swallows of the South. Yeah, like, seriously. Like, so many different answers we could give. So this is definitely the brief version. The most transformative game for me in terms of what it's done for, like, how I've been living my life for the last three years um, is... Uh, the first time that Emily and I actually met, um, the first <laughs> game we ever played together um, after we met on the Twitters <laughs> and discovered that we were drift compatible. Um, <laughs> that's that's the way to say it, right? Long lost RPG sisters. Yes, something like that. Uh, so the, the first game that I ever played in with Emily when we didn't know each other very well um, and we and it was the first fourth edition game I had ever played because I'd been avoiding it. I had been avoiding it for a long time. And I still got to say, I know, Emily, I know you are okay with it. And like Jim McClure kind of likes it and stuff. But I'm not a big fan of that system. <laughs> it's not the way I like to play. I, I prefer 5e. Right. Yeah. No, me too. But, but, well, anyway, I mean, but five, which is not to say that there's any problem with people playing it. Right. Like, 5e like did like, not exist great. when we were playing this. It did not exist. And, uh, and I was just trying to get back into a game, any game I had not played an RPG in probably, I mean, it had been at least a couple of years and I had just suddenly rediscovered, um, my passion for the hobby and then you were on twitter and you were like i'm looking for one more player and i was like uh me like (laughs) um sure i'll try this crazy thing i know how to roll a d20 i got a bag of dice like let's let's go i haven't played this edition i've never even read this edition and i don't even care let's just play um and what was amazing about that game is that i jumped in and I jumped back in having kind of built my standard min-max character from 3-5 and Pathfinder, which is like, you know, a rogue with a rapier who has unbelievably high dexterity and, and has a shapeshifter. Like, 
Well, the shapeshifter part was new. <laughs> okay, well, it wasn't new, but it wasn't my standard. Whatever. Um, but I jumped back in and, and kind of had this little bit, you know, a little bit of backstory attached to it. And, um, and Emily, you had this crazy, amazing story going on. And I don't know. There were two <laughs> things. There's two things. The first thing is like, whoa, there was a lot going on. But it, it was it was going on in ways that um, there was an actual world there. And we were in and amongst that and then, then like trying to figure out what was going on. But at the same time, every decision we made mattered. Yes. Or at least it really felt like it mattered. So I don't know if you're really <laughs> good at faking it or what, but like no. it really mattered. And it always felt like it mattered. And it was the first game I had ever been in where when I rolled a one. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> happened in a couple of really sensitive situations. <laughs> When I rolled a one, it was so much fun to roll a one because I failed that hide check and they saw me and they found me and I ended up having to pretend to be in her tea garden found you as (laughs) a raccoon dog for like an entire day of game time and my companions didn't know where I'd gone and I couldn't get out of the castle and like it was amazing and it was my first experience with the idea of um failure not necessarily meaning oh you failed now they kill you or like oh you failed now your bowstring snaps i guess you're useless for the rest of the fight like ha ha with the idea of um what we consider in powered by the apocalypse and like lasers and feelings and that kind of game we would call it failing forward because mm-hmm. that's how you that's how you illustrate your fails and and it was amazing and i loved every <laughs> second of it like every time i rolled i was like oh my god i kind of hope i fail this like can i just fail like it's totally fine like i mean it's great if i do the thing whatever but like it kind of might be more exciting (laughs) to screw this up and that was the first time i had ever had that experience where it's very much like i kind of i kind of just don't want to succeed and that was before we had gotten to a point where from a story perspective i think that you and i are now we're both very comfortable with just not succeeding and like if we don't want to succeed like not even rolling like just like okay i fail (laughs) and because that's just i just don't even want to like it's way more interesting to fail um and so i i yeah that was well and you got to find out you took advantage of that failure and of lady harmony assuming you were some sort of new kind of of raccoon dog pet (laughs) And you did a lot of, excuse the pun, sniffing around their manner. <laughs> and I it sure was did. one of the best, one of the deepest joys ever as a GM to describe uh, Lady Harmony's husband, Lord Octavio, taking you into his study and putting you on his desk, oh looking you in God. the eye and going, I know you're not a dog. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, what? Is this show going to be explicit? Because I feel like I need to cuss. Do it. Um, shit it was like oh shit oh man it was that i mean like i think that little chunk of of game like the whole game was amazing but thank you but the the game that we played that you and i ended up basically running into because i failed that hide check so miserably like that was a natural one um 
I mean, that was it was great, right. and it never would have happened, right? Like, and we, if you just if you just been like, oh, you rolled a critical fail, so you fall off the rooftop garden and you take X amount of right. damage, like, well, it's always more fun to split. It wouldn't the party, have been like that, really. Well, it's always more fun to use failure to complicate the situation. Yes. And you are really good at that. And I didn't I, realize like, there anyway. was a term for it. I thought I was just doing an interesting story. I didn't learn the term right. failing forward failing for forward. another year or so. Well, I know that's, that's it was it was very transformative for me to play in that game before we had even hit the games that are mechanically built to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happened at the same time for me that I was... Um, you know, had just caught up on all of one shot and stuff and was starting to really hear about that style of play. And then basically to fall into a game where it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a system that was built for it, but you like were implementing all of that stuff, like just totally because you learned already that it was awesome and it was, (laughs) it was great. Anyway, enough, enough me talking about how awesome Emily is. (laughs) Well, so, you were but, awesome. You're, you, I mean, you were awesome in the in the in the GMing of of the D and D turned fate game. <laughs> it was seamless. It really was. There was there was never a time when it was like, man, my character could have done this so well back in the D and D, but you know, I I they suck at this in fate. No, it was never like that. It was completely seamless. You want to know a secret? Yes. You want to know why it was seamless? Yes. Tell I me all actually... of the secrets. Yeah, I never actually read the fourth edition book. I still don't actually oh know my the rules. <laughs> Soft in heaven. What are I you was running. About? I was running the fourth edition game, and I've never read the you book. I've never even read the player's the rules handbook. Lawyer? I absolutely used you as the rules. I've oh. never. I mean, I have a I have a very good sense of how D twenty works, but I don't know the ins and outs of fourth edition. <laughs> I didn't even read the book. Oh, man. Oh, my heart. (laughs) No, it's just that. So that's the reason it was seamless is because I wasn't really using the fourth edition rules to begin with. (laughs) I was just faking it really, really well. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This makes me both sad and happy. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. Have I pulled too much of the curtain aside? No, I mean it's been long Ruined enough. The game. Okay. But Dragon Tortoise. Dragon Turtle. <sighs> well, so I mean that those are our most transformative play experience. What right. what would you say your most transformative GMing experience has been? Oh wow. There's been There's been so many times where I wish I could go back and tell younger Emily who's GMing what to do. Or <laughs> like not relax. <laughs> relax. Yeah, that's a good one. Also, 12 players in a game is a terrible idea. If I could go I back in time, yeah. I did a nine-person game of All Out of Bubblegum. Yeah. It well, was this was this was again, fourth edition. Oh, my God. At grad school, 3, <laughs> 3 p.m. every Friday for an entire semester. The idea behind it was it was supposed to be like the, the Adventure League or the Justice League, where it's kind of like who's ever there does it um but and it was the first it wasn't the first time i was using a module but it became really difficult to run because so many times i wouldn't have the same people there at all and they would be completely lost in the story and i didn't take good enough notes to know who knew what and that sounds impossible yeah kind of 
and and so I really it was transformative in in the in the sense of if people really really want to play, there needs to be some sort of commitment. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be there every time. Like I get that there's all kinds of stuff, but especially on a Friday at 3 p.m. when you're all in grad school, like what are you doing on a Friday at 3 p.m.? There were no classes at that time. And we picked that time because we thought a lot of people could come. And there were some people who really wanted to play. And I just really, really struggled. So, yeah, that was a transformative in the sense of I learned a lot <laughs> that semester. A lot of what not to do. So, yeah, I, I became a lot more fluid, a lot less planned, but a lot more embracing and, and understanding and wanting people to just have fun as opposed to trying to force the story on them. Yeah. 12 players. Terrible idea. 12 six players, players do it. is, six is players. really difficult, you know? Yeah. But 12 <laughs> is absurd. Completely absurd. Don't, don't well, do it. Just don't do it. Younger Emily, please. <laughs> no, no, do it. Younger Emily, because then now I get older, wiser Emily <laughs> who has learned all of these things and knows better. Yes. Well, I guess you kind of got to cut your teeth on some of those things. You got to do it. Yeah. Because um, it's really funny that the game that I would consider transformative for me as a GM was also because it was a terrible experience. <laughs> Sometimes we learn more from those. Right? I mean, I was, it was one of those, like, I was really into Pathfinder at the time. Um, I had played third edition Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 and then we had gone to Pathfinder because we did not want to go to fourth edition. <laughs> Boy, fourth, and, fourth uh, edition is taking a beating in this. I'm sorry. I Like, there's nothing wrong with liking that. That was just the group of people that I played with. Like, we really didn't like the video game feel of it. Right. Right? Because that just wasn't the, it wasn't what we were going for. So we were, we didn't like it because of that feel. Um, but so I got into a situation where the perma GM moved away and someone else kind of GM'd for a bit and then didn't want to anymore. And so I got into this situation where I really, really, really wanted to play, but no one was going to run the game. So I was like, that's fine. I'm going to run it. Well, and, and that's great. Like, please don't be discouraged, people out there listening. If you have that feeling and you're like, I should run it, you should do it. Yes. Because the worst case scenario is you will have a terrible experience like me and then you will learn. Yes, <laughs> move true. On with your life. So what I ended up doing is I basically sat down and created, like, a module, essentially, for mm. myself. Um, and everything was written down and way, way, way over planned. Everything was planned. And it, what it, what didn't work about it is that I sat everyone down and I had a railroad that I wanted everything to go on. And I also had a brand, brand new player who had never played before, who I had let make a wizard. That's mm. not a good starting character for Pathfinder or third edition D&D. Um, and who didn't really have anybody to help explain to her what was going on. Um, and and basically, I ran the one, the first session of it. Um, I was really excited about the concept of the dungeon, but, like, there was no reason for these people to be traveling together. Mm. And they're like, there was no reason for them to go to the dungeon. 
we got to the one little first intro thing and immediately ran into a thing where, you know, it was like, well, you didn't tell me that XYZ, I would have done this. And then as a GM being like, well, this already happened. So like really, really, really horrible first time GM stuff that you shouldn't do. (laughs) Like, don't do it. Just don't, don't do it. Um, And after that experience, I was like, ugh, I'm a terrible GM. Like, I shouldn't do this. This is a really bad idea. I'm just not going to play. Like, I will keep playing if someone will run it. And, um, but, like, I'm not going to GM anymore. Like, that's dumb. And, um, and it took me quite a while to get past that and the discovery of different GM styles and specifically improving and not planning and saying yes and basically applying oh I don't know my theater background to role playing <laughs> games instead of treating it like a miniatures game like okay I took that information basically like what I had sort of picked up from listening to lots of podcasts and stuff and I just randomly planned a game and ran my first game that I had run in probably six maybe seven yeah about six years I just ran it I went to a little local convention and I just ran it and people played in it And I had so much fun Mm -hmm. because I wasn't doing the things that I learned from the last one that I had done. So it was very transformative in the way of being like, it was a lot of hard lessons learned. Right. (laughs) Well, and I don't think we want to scare off first time GMs. Please. That's not what I'm going for at all. But I think what both of our stories point out is there's this idea out there of the perfect GM. And it's shaped not only by like what what games we've experienced, but by our cultural consciousness, by what podcasts we listen to, all these different kinds of things. And you can't figure out how how to sort of absorb that GM so that GM becomes you. You have to become a GM and figure out how you, as a person, with all of your all of the stuff you like and all of the gifts you have, can become this sort of of game master and so if you were like send it and have a theater background don't leave that out find a way to bring that in well and the other thing is um you have to you you have to forgive yourself if you're gonna make a you know inevitably we all make mistakes i i mean there are games that i have gm'd very recently that i regret um little things about um right and unfortunately we have audio evidence of some of right mine. and i have audio <laughs> i have audio evidence of mine where i'm like oh i was gonna bring that back and then i forgot you know and, and just like those things but you just have to forgive yourself and move on the thing that i think a lot of times for i mean for me at least and maybe culture's a little bit different around rpgs now i'm not sure or maybe i'm just steeped in it more now mm-hmm. i don't know which it is but um one thing that i think that is a misnomer that we have about being a GM is that you have to know everything. You have to know all the rules and you have to... Apparently um, you don't have to know any of the no, rules, you, you really... You have to have a vague idea. That's really it. Uh, trust me. I'm I'm terrible about this. I'm terrible about knowing the rules. You guys really bad at it. But that's why um, there are books. That's why there are books. You just... You reference it when you need to and you make a call. Right? Like you just move on. Right. Um, so I don't remember what I was saying before. Sorry. <laughs> what was I talking about, Emily? Uh, you don't really need to know the rules. Don't be afraid. Don't, like, don't be scared to give your players control because it's Ooh. actually way more fun. It right? is. 
And that's the thing that, but is a, the, the image that we have of a GM is that it's someone who is in total and full control of the game. And, which you uh, never are, let's be honest. Oh, no, which you never are. No. And, and the only way to really do that is to overplan for every single eventuality and you will make yourself crazy and they will find something that you didn't think of. Like, it's not worth it. Oh, my gosh. I was once playing with this group. <laughs> it was an amazing group. There were just three of them. And it was my first Paragon level 4E GMing experience. And at one point, they were supposed to, they were going to break into this this place. And, and I forget exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, find information, I think. And what they did, they knocked on the front door. <laughs> and I was like, I, what? <laughs> and... It was one of my first experiences also playing over uh, video chat. And I'm sure my face showed them. I, I, I didn't know. And somebody said, is that bad, Emily? Like, what's going And I said, <laughs> I did not expect you to do that. And somebody else said, one of the players said, so the trap door falls out from underneath us. And I'm like, yep. It's exactly what happens <laughs> as you're as I'm shuffling through trying to find uh, a decent monster to be under, you know, in the dungeon underneath this mansion or this fort Apparently. or whatever it was. Yeah. They knocked but on it's... the freaking front door. <laughs> well, somehow this turned into a GM advice session, but we should oh, probably wrap things up if we're going to keep it short. Well, OK, so one of the other things I will say is you don't know something's going to be transformative when you go into it. Mm, there, That is, Yes. And yes. that's one of the extremely fun things about Unless, role play gaming. Okay, okay. Unless you're going into a game with one of your like podcast idols, and mm. um, <laughs> not that that's happened. And uh, then you pretty much have an idea that it's going to be transformative in some way or another. <laughs> oh my gosh! Not to name out any names, but yes, we love you, James. <laughs> The level of commitment that man had to uh. Sergeant Square is still, to this day, amazing. <laughs> well, that's been a learning curve for me because I'm like, you know what? Um, this is too ridiculous. Character, I'm not going to no, do no. it. Character. Character goals. Character, character goals. Always D'Amato level commitment. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're not even backing us on Patreon. <laughs> I, no no that's just no that's just like me personally right. character goals goals for senda well at DeMato least you didn't have to gm level him. commitment not yet not yet oh <laughs> well i'm very excited it. about i think that this entire experience of this podcast has in its own way also been transformative absolutely i mean we are professional Podcasters. Podcasters. <laughs> We're getting paid for this mini cast. Uh, and it's um, really amazing. <laughs> Please consider giving us a monthly donation at patreon.com slash sasgeek. Where we have thank lots you of all. cool rewards. Yes. And seriously. If we can get seriously. to $500 a month, I will have to adopt a pet. And I would and be name so it. happy. And and y'all get to name it. So yeah. <laughs> if we get to a thousand dollars a month, Senda has to buy all of you a drink at Gen Con. So if you ask. If you ask, and one per person. You have to ask me. Because otherwise I won't know if you're one of the people I should buy a drink for or not. That's true. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
Anyway, the good news is our friendship has been very transformative as well, I think. I think I have so a lot too. more confidence as a GM. And of course, now hearing you sing my praises gives me even more confidence. As it should. Emily, I always think that that I think I'm really good face on this podcast, <laughs> and I think that you are the better GM. Oh. I don't know about that. I ah. I, I think of myself, I think of uh, you as the head and the heart and me as the X factor. Okay. I mean, that, I guess that's fair. Or maybe you're the heart and I'm the head. I don't know. I think I think I'm the heart, you're the head. Except when it comes to apocalyptic style situations, <sighs> in which case you just attack things and I call nine one one. It's so good to know. If that ever happens, I will know that my response is to punch that drogger in the face. Yeah. And Your if you're not there fight. to drag me away, I'm probably gonna die. My response is flight. Yes. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. We because nailed that. We nailed that. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. It worked out well for you in the, oh, spoilers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shutting up. <laughs> we haven't released that yet. Um, so, okay. Uh, How do we end every this other podcast? Tuesday, every other Tuesday, uh, please listen to us. Thank you all. Thank you all so much for joining us for our mini cast. You can check us out online at sasgeek.com we're on twitter at sasgeekpodcast patreon.com slash sasgeek you can also find us on google plus and on tumblr and do facebook a search for she's a super geek and facebook we're everywhere um we're not on elo do we need to be on elo <laughs> is elo still a thing i have no idea so thank you all thank you especially to our patrons and Senda, thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful minicast. Thank you, Emily, for having me as your co-host on this beautiful minicast. <laughs> <laughs>